What matters is the relationships. Yeah, being so, patient. Just be yeah, patient. Be patient and yeah. invest in the relationships. You're listening to Untamed, a podcast dedicated to empowering you, the lash artist, while providing insights on how to achieve success that is as individual and unique as you are. Each episode, me, Cheryl, and me, Anne-Marie, share our best information openly, without reservation. We discuss challenges, best practices, and what the future holds for the lash industry. So grab a snack and your comfiest sweater, and get ready to geek out with your new lash BFFs. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe! Hi, Lashners. Welcome back to another episode of I was going to say Matcha Monday, but another episode <laughs> of the Untamed Podcast. And today we have our special guests with us, Paul and Tussany. For those of you who don't know, Paul and Tussany also have their own podcast, probably one of the biggest podcasts in our industry. I think it is the biggest podcast in our industry. And yours truly had the pleasure of being on that podcast more than once, you know? Yes. So Designs. Yes. <laughs> today it's my turn to return the favor invite you guys on to our podcast so that we get to introduce you to our audience and then also just have a conversation with you guys because it's always a pleasure to have a conversation with you guys. So before we get started, could you guys tell our audience a little bit about yourself, a little bit about like what you guys do and your businesses in the industry? Yeah, you go. Well, I'm a lash artist. I have been doing lashes since 2005. 17 years, the guys. Dark ages. Oh, jeez. <laughs> first opened my business, I couldn't call it lashes because nobody even knew what that was, right? I did skincare. I mostly work with, you know, plastic surgeons and, and the med spa surroundings. And so my plan of business was to do facials. And then while they were lying there on the on the table, I had offered to do their lashes for free, you know, and it was a great opportunity to grow, grow she my duped skills. Them. <laughs> yeah. And then also because, you know, and then get them hooked because nobody would be, no one called around those days saying, can I have lashes? Because they just didn't, they didn't exist. Lashes. Yeah. 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 Fast forward several years, we move, you know, I, there was a lot of demand for it. I started the salon. In the um, middle of the Great Recession, she hired her first employee in 2009. Yes. And then- Risk taker, I like it. Well, her demand was crazy. Even though the economy was a disaster, people who had money still want to look beautiful. Actually, I think really the beauty industry as a whole is recession-proof. Because and that, people just want to look beautiful. And yeah. lashes make all the difference, as we all know, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I started hiring people and I got too big for my britches. Didn't know what I didn't know. I had some problems retaining staff because um, not good leadership. And that's when I asked Paul to help me. I said, I really need some help. We, I really don't know what I'm doing. And 2011, I joined her again, knowing no idea how to run a salon, no good leadership. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so we, we the problems problem. continued with that, but we, we learned as we went. And by 2013, after we had a walkout, we, we hired a coaching company, learned how to do business finally, really learned a lot, grew up a lot as leaders. We grew up. And then, um, yeah, then we really now in 2019, we closed our salon, but we had 2018 start our podcast, Lashcast. We're actually in the four and a half years into our podcast now. It's been crazy. Yeah, it's been going on a long time. So at least relatively speaking for podcasting in the last world. So we've been doing that for about four and a half years. And we basically then also launched our conference, which we started thinking about in 2018. 
2019, we launched LashCon, or now the Lash Conference, and that's been going for three years. We're going into our fourth year, and we're really excited to be doing that. We had uh, almost 500 people come last year, and this year, we're right now, we have over 750 people coming to LashCon. And so- Wow, it's amazing. So, but um, yeah, we're mainly now focused on coaching, training, helping other lash artists with their business, because that's something that we struggled with all our careers. Mm. We felt like there's just not enough business and help out there. And Tustany has a very unique approach towards lashing that isn't really taught in our industry. So between her kind of unique bent towards lashing and us helping me with my background in the business, I feel like we kind of are a double threat there, helping people with two different aspects of their career in the, in the lash industry. Mm-hmm. I think we share the same audience because I know, Cheryl, you guys are really big on learning and asking why, and you are the self-styled nerds, lash nerds of the, of the whole industry. Okay, I wish we were called that, but you just yeah. sort of got that. No, before. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, good. You know, I think our audience tends to be learners. They yeah. tend to be... Yeah. Um, they are humble. They're willing to say, I don't know something because they, they want to know more. I tend to think of them as the best of the best and the, the cream of the crop because they are always seeking to do their best and they pursue education and they pursue excellence, you know, and I think your audience is very similar. And I think we share a lot of the same values. In same that way. DNA. Yeah. So I'm so excited to be, be on your show today because we so believe in what you guys are doing. Yeah, I think I've almost listened. I might have missed the last two episodes, but I think I've listened to all your guys' episodes. I'm always excited to learn from you guys and listen to what you're doing. And I, I feel like you guys are just adding another whole voice that's needed in our industry and really appreciate what you two are doing. Oh, thanks. Thank yeah. <laughs> We're just a curious bunch, you know, leading a curious bunch. And you guys do fulfill a lot of the curiosity. And I think that that's what you were talking about. The learner mindset really stemmed from curiosity, right? And it's being fascinated by things and wanting to understand things more. So speaking of understanding things, there's so much that I wanted to dive in with you guys, you know, from, you know, that growth of a leadership to change a business model, all of it. But today specifically, because we do not have forever, even though as much as I wish we do, I want to dive into something that's a little bit more kind of common and not really talked about in our industry. I feel like it's partnership. Those of you, obviously, I hope you guys can tell by now, Tessany and Paul are a married couple, happily married couple. And you guys are also in business together. And I think that that dynamic that you guys have is very interesting from at a third person perspective, I think you guys work really well together. Just like you guys said, you guys are have complementary skill sets. And then also coming together, it's really powerful in the values that you offer to the industry. And I know personally, you know, I've been partners with my husband now. It's so weird to call him a husband. You know, not too long ago, he was still boyfriend. Anyways, Phil, we were starting UA together as well. And, you know, he is a shareholder of the company. So I personally also have some experience, you know, being partners with my partner. And I know a lot of stylists have this experience. So today, maybe we can dive in a little bit deeper into this, like partnership in business versus when it's also partnership in life, giving our audience a little bit of the behind the scene of what it's like being in partnership, business partnership with your partner, as well, like some of the highs and lows, the pros and cons, but also giving them some advice on how to navigate this more complex relationship than maybe just a regular business partnership. What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah. I, this is actually something I'm, I think we need, need to talk about because I've actually 
There's a lot of partnerships out there, and I meet with people from our businesses in this last world, and they're not, not all of them are, are going well. Like they'll secretly off the mic or off the record say, well, actually, we're really struggling with this. This is not easy. There's a lot of trying to find out the boundaries and what's, what am I good at and where were they at? And then sometimes jealousy creeps in because maybe one is kind of like rising up and the other one, the other one's a little bit more a supportive role. So or resentment creeps in yeah, because one person's not sure. caring as much as the other. Yeah, and- one's not carrying the ball as much. So now there's like, why aren't we both carrying the ball the same or we're both, you know, so there's lots of the unpack there. We, I love yeah. to talk about this stuff. Yeah. Another thing is you can't run away from it, right? Like you can't just go home and then vent to your other partner about it because the partner you normally vent to about your work is now the partner that you want to vent about. So <laughs> <laughs> it makes it so complicated. Yeah. But before, I guess where my starting point would be, it's a pretty conventional wisdom, I find, that people would always tell you that don't get into business with your family. Don't yeah. get into business with your significant other, right? Because it, it complicates the relationship. It adds burden to relationship. Interpersonal relationship is already hard as it is. You know, it's adding a lot of extra pressure. So what made you in 2011, Paul, to say, you know what? I'm going to go against the conventional wisdom. My wife needs me and I'm going to go give this. Like what went through your mind to make you decide that you want to go into partnership with Tessany? Yeah, and I would concur with that conventional wisdom that generally speaking, it's not the best way to go for most people. But at the same time, like anything, there's always exceptions to the rule. And I felt like ours was one of those because really, like a lot of couples, opposites attract. And Tess and I, in a lot of ways, are opposite in a lot of ways. And that can be, and we have a lot of commonality as far as passions, but I think as far as the way we operate and function, we're opposite of each other. Like she's truly the artist. I'm a little mini artist in my way. I'm a little bit of a writer and all this stuff. But she, I knew when I met her, I was just amazed. Like she just really creates beauty. She's great at doing that. And, but she's also a total scatterbrain, like a true artist and has no idea what's happening next in her day. No, logistics are not my, my issue. Just the other day we had a, it was for Easter. I was I oh, yeah. committed to making an appetizer for dinner. The dinner. Friends. We we're going over to dinner and I did not, I read the, I, I read the recipe, but I didn't realize there's other pages other than the first two. There's more to the recipe. And so I started working on the recipe and I'm like, oh no. We have to cook it for 40 more minutes. And, and I, I was she thought gonna, it'd be an hour and it was gonna take three hours, and we ended up being an hour and a half late. And, to and dinner. I just I begged him, I said, I please, I know this is an imposition, but I need you to switch gears and I need you to start ordering me around the kitchen because I will be here for another three hours. And so yeah. anyway, anyway. So, so I sat down, read everything, figured out how we would do it, and then I enacted the plan. And that's really kind of the short picture of what we are, how we operate. In 2011, she basically had hired a manager who came in, and the manager basically began to put systems in the place, but really we found out start stealing money from the company immediately. So she stole a bunch of money and we realized, okay, that's not working. And like a lot of salon owners we meet, they go, yeah, the books no longer are going to be open to the public. I need a loved one, someone who I mean, you're married or very close to a family member, someone who I can trust to help oversee the books so that money isn't falling out of my company without my noticing it. So I came on in 2011 because I really saw a need that she she was a great artist, great lash artist. She could train and teach people how to do lashes, but she could not run a business. She hated confrontation. She hated managing people. She hated um, orchestrating, I, organizing the company. 
I'll have you know, though, that at the time I didn't, I wouldn't have characterized myself as yeah. that. I wouldn't have said I hate leadership. Yeah. I don't like talking to people because I thought that I did. And I thought that I could do a good job on it. It really wasn't until I began to see how it's supposed to be. Yes, yeah. that, oh, no, it's not supposed to be. Not a, my strength. A, leadership isn't leading by a memo. That kind of stuff, you yeah. know. Yeah. To share with you, though, um, that prior to him coming on, and I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable here, give you a little bit more of the tea. This was a time between Paul and I that was not good. Good. You know, every marriage has rough patches. We yeah. were in a big rough patch, so much so that I had even said, I'm calling it quits. You yeah. know, I had paid for mm. an attorney and I would say to him, we're going to stay together for the kids, but so we'll have a good time together. But don't forget, I'm going to divorce we'll be, you. We'll be friends, but yeah, I'm going to divorce you. Divorcing you. Okay. And so the thing was, it's like, and, and a lot of that was built on a lot of, you know, uh, water under the bridge and mistrust. I didn't, we weren't on the same page about our occupation. And I didn't feel that there was a lot of support. And one of the reasons mm. why I started the business was because I needed stability and I knew that I could do it. And so I was like, I'm going to do it. And whether you come along with me or not. And so as it started taking off, we were pretty much separate at these, at these ways. He was doing his thing and I was doing mine. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was kind of a, it was an act of humility to say, will you please help me? I need your help. And when he finally said, yes, I will help you. I will surrender what I want to do, what I've wanted to do for the past 15 years, past 10 years. And I'm going to lay that aside and I'm going to help you fulfill your dreams. That was what captured my heart again. That's what completely the beginning changed. of the healing of it our marriage. Because for 15 years, I pursued my film career and was working, doing my thing. And I would say I was relatively successful, not making a ton of money, but making a lot of connections and really doing, had my own little small pond. I was doing okay. But it wasn't great money. I mean, Hollywood, unless you're at the top tier, you just don't make great money. Mm-hmm. And so, so I think for, so we struggled. And I think we that's struggled. where a lot of her disappointment came from in me. It's like, well, I expected we'd have all the success by now. And then when her business took off, I actually did. It was really easy. I was like, okay, we can keep struggling with my business or see her business blowing up. I had to be humble and to say, you know what? I, I'm going to bet on the horse that's winning right now. And her horse is winning. And I, I really had to step down. And I think for her, it really was a recognition of me saying, you know what? You supported me for 15 years in my career and my business. And now it's time for me to support you with your career and your business and to step aside and see what we can do and how we can make her and her thing blow up. And he he really laid it down. And for me to see that that sacrifice that he was willing to do for me, it was like, it just, it made me love you again. It yeah. made me remember like, oh, this is why I picked him. You know, he really is my hero and I need him. Because for a long time, I was like, I can do this. I'm strong. Mm. I don't need anybody. I'll show you, you know, but I really did. I really did need him. As a team, it worked out because I mean, for me, all before working with her, my job, a lot of times when I worked in companies, I was always like the right hand man. My job was to make things happen. Like the the boss would say, I got this big vision. And I'm like, and he's like, I have no idea how to do it though. And I'm like, don't worry about it. I can make that happen. And then my job was to sit down, calculate, break it down to small parts, well, all the action points and, and, and schedule it, figure it all out and make it a reality. And that's kind of what, what Tuss was. Tuss was a big idea person, a lot of vision, but just not a lot of know-how. Just and so my job was always sit down and go, okay, what are you trying to accomplish right now? And I break it down and say, okay, we can do that or we can't do that. And then I would just schedule it and break it down to smaller parts and plan it out. <laughs> and I felt like that's why it works so well for us. And maybe some of our couples, it doesn't because 
they're not complementing each other, almost like competing for the same role. They're like, they're both trying to be the CEO of their company and they can't be like only one CEO. You can't have two CEOs. One person's more the action person, maybe one person's the idea person, or maybe one's the creative and one's more the, the details person. And that's kind of why it worked out when I sat down and was analyzing, like, should we do this? Should we do this? Because I was thinking that you shouldn't partner with your, your wife or your or your business partner or your, or your spouse or anyone that's really that close to that can be really hard. And I felt like, but man, are, we really do don't cross over. Like when we got in the salon, she was just responsible for training staff. That was it. Outside that job, do lashes, train a staff. My job was everything else from the hiring to the front desk management, to the product ordering, to the team building, all the other things were on me. So it really, we had very clear lines of what we needed to do. So there was never confusion or a fight over control over like, well, I want us to wear these uniforms. Well, I think those uniforms suck. You know, it wasn't, we didn't have those debates because we really saw clear lines in our jobs. So yeah, it sounds like, you know, there was humility on both sides. And then there's also sacrifices that's made. And I think that often when we enter into partnership, it does seem like it's promising a brighter future. And then we don't really think about the sacrifices that it requires for that greater, that brighter future. And also you guys, what what you guys have is this textbook visionary versus executor type of dynamic, which is so, so crucial in any partnership, whether you're partnering with your significant other or just a business partner. And I think that Marie and I kind of have that dynamic, you know. I think, Tessany, you and I are like twins. <laughs> like, honestly, I have a similar story where I once thought I was going to bake an apple pie with my best friend. And I was like, oh, I love apple pie. Coming over, hang out. Okay, let's bake an apple pie from scratch. And let's just say I thought an apple pie would take like an hour, but it takes like four hours we ended up like going to the grocery store and trying to buy an apple pie and didn't work out (laughs) the story ended with me and her at mcdonald at 1 a.m buying a frozen apple pie to go home (laughs) because anything i have is persistent you know i wanted an apple pie so i totally get you and Amory is really the person that really helps me like these podcast episodes right she scheduled it into my calendar like I can show up and I really enjoy doing these things, but nuance is that the logistic side of it really holds me back. And I think it really becomes disruptive to the business that I'm trying to build. So having somebody like the dynamic that you guys have in Visionary who can see the dream, can see the big picture, and then having an executor like Paul can like really figure out <laughs> the nuances and how to make that dream come true because a vision is nothing without execution. And execution is a multiplier of an idea. <laughs> so you guys do have a very magical dynamic there. And I actually have an opposite experience or story to share just to kind of give our listener a range of like what could happen in a partnership. So with my partner, you know, Phil and I, we are actually very similar. Both of us are visionary. So we actually ended up clashing a lot. And in the beginning, what we thought was, I'm going to take over the vision and the business, and then he would help with the operation. But if you put someone like me, a visionary into operation, hot mess express, okay, (laughs) hot mess. Nowadays, like I remember the other day, we we're like, oh, you know, my our current CEO was like, ah, did you like with the office insurance, like when is the renewal date and blah blah. And then we asked Phil, he's like, uh, 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 uh I don't know, <laughs> I, I think I got it at some point. Like you know, it's just I think that that you can love your partner and you can have such great admiration 
for them. But when it comes to making those decisions, would you guys say like what would be the key consideration? You know, there's this how you guys work, and what other key consideration that you should consider before diving into a committed business relationship with your significant other, or just with people, like anyone in general. Well, for me, I would say humility is is a real core cornerstone for our relationship. To have that humility, which you mentioned earlier, which I think makes it able to defer and work together. Because if you're the type, if you're a really Type A personality. And you know what you need done, and you want it done this way, and you're kind of a control person. It's going to be tough to if you get two of those people together. You know, whether both artists or both Type A's, you're going to conflict. Like we even saw that with hiring staff. Like if we had too many Type A's on our staff, it would actually create conflict because they're just all like, "We know what we're going to do. We're going to take over the world." And someone's like, "No, we're not. We're going to do it this way." And then everyone's like fighting each other. And you realize. They're all good intentions, but they, it, it's hard to find that common ground to work together. So I think for us, we, we really had a you know, certain softness towards each other, deferring to each other. It was weird because it was born out of strife, really. We, we, this whole relationship or partnership was born out of almost like a last-ditch effort to make our marriage work. Because if it didn't, I don't know if we'd be here today. Like, mm-hmm. it might have ended. So I want to add on to that by, again, sharing a little bit more than you're probably asking for. And, and that is... We love it. <laughs> appreciate it. This is our philosophy towards marriage. And it means so much to us now because for a time being, we didn't have it and we almost divorced. So now we committed to this when we first you know, walked on the aisle and we said our vows, but we didn't quite understand what it took. Now we understand what it took. So what I want to say is that our relationship, we believe is a covenant. Basically, I covenant to follow, to be together with you, to, to honor you, to respect you, and you do the same for me. And the person that holds us accountable if we fail, we believe is God. And so my responsibility is to God. It's not to him. So, because sometimes, frankly, he's going to disappoint me and he's yeah. not going to deserve my respect. But yet, <laughs> I am committed to respecting him because of my relationship with God. And many times, I guarantee you that I am not loving and I am not patient. Yeah, and I am I'll not say, kind. I'll, I'll, I'll say yes. that's true. <laughs> and he is committed to honoring me and, and being patient with me, even when I'm ugly, regardless of why I deserve it, because of his relationship to God. And so, so that takes some of the pressure out. It doesn't mean that it's easy. But we actually believe that the covenant is like, if this contract, this marriage fails between us, we are responsible to God for that. And, and that's something that we take really, really seriously now because we almost lost it. And also because we believe that the most important thing is, is honoring God with our lives because we've, we've come from, from the darkness and absolutely being devastated by things that have happened in our lives to actually know that the only thing we can count on is our faith in God. And so that's what motivates us. It is this, this commitment to honoring God and which makes it possible for me to love him when he is unlovable and for him to love me when I'm unlovable. So that underlines everything. So to me, it's like, if this doesn't work out, it's going to be on me. So I am compelled to want to, if he's saying something that I completely disagree with, I have learned that it goes well with my soul when I say, I disagree with you, but I'm going to 
submit on that because you're responsible to God for it. He's going to hold you responsible better than I can. So I'm going to submit on this, you know? Yeah. So if we crash and burn, it's on me. It's on you. That's right. (laughs) But I think also, I I think for us with this whole thing and what makes a good fit, because obviously this is for, we have a very common, you know, spiritual type of sense of commonality that helps us have a good foundation. But I know other people are going to be at different places on that and it may not be where they're at. But I think also when looking at working out a partnership, aside from like humility or for us, we have that common, our faith is a commonality. I really, you need to see really where your strengths and weaknesses are, because I think if you, if you do line up in the same places where you're both strong, I don't know if you're going to compliment each other. I don't know if it's going to really be a good partnership because like, oh, we're both really good at this. Like, well, then you only need one captain. You only need two. Yeah. It, it causes more yeah. fr- friction. We have two captains. So, sure. you, cooks in the you know, and in our salon, it made, like I said earlier, it was really, really easy. If she just trains the staff, <laughs> like how to do lashes. That's, I can't teach lashes. I don't do lashes. And so that way I take over the business. And it's the same way we do with our podcast, the same way we do with everything else we do. And if it's business, that's always in my camp. I always look at that. Our, we have very clear defined boundaries. And there's this, uh, Tess will come to me and give me ideas like, hey, we should do this or that. And I'm like, oh, that's impossible. Okay, fine, we'll do it. And that's... <laughs> I'm learning to say yes more than no, because uh, it's so easy to always say no at first, because as a uh, as someone who likes to do things and get things done, I'd, I'd always feel like I don't need more to do in my life. And she just spills and vomits ideas all over the time. <laughs> and I'm always like, but I'm learning to say yes more, because I think she's brilliant. And I just need to recognize, like, let her say yes, and I'll figure it out. But I think for us, realizing the partnership would work, because we just had very clear, we knew what we're good at. So if you don't know what you're good yet at, then you, the, that's the problem that can happen. I think with partnerships, you won't know until you get into it. So you just have to figure it out. It's going to be messy and you're going to make mistakes. You're going to step in each other. But if you have that respect still, say, look, it's okay. Right now, we're going to figure out what we're good at, what we're not good at. And then you start to define that, start to create those categories. Like, okay, you know what? I'm really the best person for marketing in our company. So maybe you become the marketer or you become the branding person because maybe you're really good with words and you're good with colors and schemes and laying out things and design. So it's like you, you, but you only figure it out by you two working on that company and you figuring out what you're good at. So I love this term: action breeds or brings clarity. clarity. And mm. you only way you're gonna figure out what you're good at is by you just doing. So if you're okay in the beginning when you start working with someone, go. You know what? Right now, let's realize we're gonna step on each other's toes. We're gonna bump into each other. We're gonna make mistakes, but we're gonna have a ton of grace. Grace is gonna be our foundation that we build this upon. That's so that there's a lot of forgiveness and a lot of re- still respect despite the mistakes. You can just succeed because you're gonna figure out over time, over the next year or two, like, oh, I get it. I'm good at this. You're good at that. And then you begin to create those columns that you put into your into your port. You know, your your I guess your job description. Say, okay, these are my areas, and I will now from now on when it comes to this other. I always defer to my partner on the other things. Like, oh, when it comes to, let's say, maybe banking or taxes or numbers, you know what? My partner is the one that's going to do all that stuff because I hate that. I know a mess and I screw up everything when I start trying to get into the bank accounts and moving money around and maybe I mess it all up. So I think it's what you have to really have is that commitment to being working through and learning and, and being okay with mistakes in the beginning because we don't always know what we're good at and what we're not good at, especially if you're new at business. So I actually have a question. So this is everything that kind of helped you decide and build along. But now that it's been so many years later and this is all well established for you both, what are the challenges that you have now versus then? Like what's hard now? <laughs> I think my biggest one, I'll just say that came to pop into my, it's shutting it off. Oh yeah. 
we knew that we literally spent 24 seven year. We have one car. We don't even need two cars. So we literally work together, live together, hang out together. We're pretty much stuck at the hip. And I, and I remember our kids at times with, we'd get home from work and be like, we had to make a commitment to them. When we get home or having dinner or hanging out, we're not talking about work. Cause they'd be like, stop talking about work. You yeah. Don't want to talk about work. <laughs> It's like, it's true. I mean, we'll be, yeah. we'll be at a restaurant, we're eating. And I'm like, I'm like watching how they're working, the pro, the, the servers and how the restaurants operate. I'm like, that's a great idea. Did you see what they just yeah, did? Yeah, that's really, and the kid's like, stop it. Stop it. No more of that. Like, Aww. just shut up. And like, so we, we make a commitment. When we're together with the kids and the family, we never talk about business. I, I can't remember the last time when we've all been together with them and we're talking about business. We really shut it down. And I think just for us, it's just healthy at night to not get home and we still do this. We'll be Literally going to sleep, like, oh, you know about that business? Uh, you know, it's like, it's like, really? The last thing you were talking about was business. So we, we really do have to make time not to talk about business and just have fun and just be a couple and be lovers and have, you know, the fun that couples do versus always 24 seven. And I think that is a danger. Because, you know, because you know. if something hard happens at the office, you bring it home and you talk about it. You know what I mean? And and you kind of, you can obsess over about it. You yeah. get a bad review. You know, you, you're going to hash have to hash that out. And sometimes you you just have to stop. You do. You just have to have those boundaries. So it's not a bad idea. I wouldn't say we have official boundaries. We, with our kids, we do. We don't have like six o'clock, no more talking about business because I am such a, I like my day to be flexible. Every day is different. Mm-hmm. I start some days at 10, some days at 11, some days at nine, whatever. It's like, and then I work some days till midnight, other days till two. Sometimes I, like yesterday, we took a whole day off and went to Disneyland. So it just depends on like to mix it up and do things. I'm very, in that sense, I can't just do the same grind every day. So we don't have hard, fast rules, but we do try to, we get home after dinner. We'll just watch a show together and relax. We'll talk about business. We'll just enjoy a moment for a couple hours. And then I'll, she'll go to bed and I'll go back to work. Usually, We, we try to do that. So I think it's one thing I think would let people know to be careful of that really make sure you have those boundaries. Because man, if you don't have any of that freedom and you're always working, that's where burnout happens, right? That's where you literally are on 24 seven. And I I don't think people are really meant to work that way. Another thing that was not now, but was a, a, a difficulty earlier on was that sometimes he would say no in business to me and I would get mad. For <laughs> no, I, I still struggle with this. That's why I said I'm trying yeah, to say but yes I, more. It's different. I, I, right now I flow with your no. I'm like, okay, I would disagree with you. But before I would get mad. Yeah. I would get mad and I would attribute him saying no to every time he disappointed me in the past in our marriage. Yeah. Okay. Mm. I see. And I'd be like, he just doesn't want me to be happy. He doesn't want me to be successful. He <laughs> you know, whatever lies, I, yeah. you know, whatever it was, I took that and I would, I would be really awful about things for a while. And, and it would bring up bad stuff in me where I had to like release it and say, this is crap, that junk that's just coming up from my heart. And it's not true about you. But it was hard. I had to do that work on my own to recognize I need to forgive him for disappointing me. He forgives me. He lives with me. He's easier to say, I'm sorry. But it took me a long time to be able to say, I realize I'm not an easy person to live with, but he does. I mean, I need to extend him that same grace. That took me a long time. So working through those personal things and recognizing that when he said no to me, it wasn't, I had to stop trying to punish him, you know, in in the marriage. I'm not going to do your laundry this week. She said no to me, you know, (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to clean your underwear. I'm going to clean all my clothes, but I'm not going to clean yours, you know, so that you'll figure it out. (laughs) Stuff like that, you know. The the passive way of communicating, which is so damaging and so dysfunctional. But I think for me too, learning to say yes to her, like I said earlier, is really important because I think she's always got a million ideas and I, I struggle 
would want to always say no because it just makes my life easier to say no. But at the same time, she's really creative and has lots of good ideas. And I want to validate her and affirm her that she is valuable to me. And when I say no too much, I think she get, does feel like you're not important. Your ideas aren't good to me. I I, I can do this on my own. And I really, it just, that's why humility is so important because I need to be willing to, to admit, like, no, I don't know all of it. I don't have all the answers. I don't know what's the best always. And I, usually I don't. And so I think I learned a lot that still struggling when she comes up with new ideas. She, by the way, all the crazy stuff that LashCon that happens, usually it comes from her. And uh, it's always like, I always sit there and go, oh gosh, really? You want to do that? It's going to be great. It's going to be great. People are going to love it. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, they'll love it, but I'm going to die in the process. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I don't see it that way. I don't see the work. She doesn't see the logistics. I see the numbers and the hours of work to make that reality. Uh, but I've still learned I have to say yes. Uh, it helps so much more. It makes us happier. I embrace them more now as challenges. Like, oh, that's a, that's really cool. That's really hard. And it's going to be really difficult. But you know what? That's what I'm here for. My job, I always see my role as the enactor or the executor, which I, I love that word. Yeah, that's my job. So don't resent my job. I signed up for this. I said I would do it. So I'm going to be the executor and I will find ways to make these things a reality instead of, I think earlier in, in the years, I sometimes would fight that or push back against that. Or sometimes wish I was the idea person. Like, oh, I wish I had all the brilliant ideas in the company. And and I do have, I do add some, but that said, I feel like more and more of them come out to us as um, crazy brain than mine. <laughs> yeah. Navigating that, the intimate relationship you have as a couple and also navigating a very practical relationship in business is very hard because as human, it's hard for us to compartmentalize emotions. It's usually a default that we take things quite personally. I know I struggle with this. I, unlike Tessany, your approach was like to be passive in other way, but my approach was to shutting down. I just didn't want to share my side of my role with Phil. I don't want to talk about marketing with you. I don't want to talk about the creative side of things with you because that's my domain. And I struggle with inferiority complex, I think. So I feel like if he gives me a different idea, somehow that's challenging my intelligence and my intellect. And so I took it personally on that level. And then I just shut down by not communicating my vision as much with my partner, somebody who is supposed to help me execute my visions, you know, and whenever he comes up with an idea, then I feel a struggle with what Paul says, like, well, I'm the idea person, you know, like (laughs) I should be the one, like you should just stick to the operations type, which that leads to another thing is like, I think, It's a firm belief in UA that for me personally, as my leadership model is to never put someone in a job that they don't want to be in, never put them in a role that they don't want to be in. I think that before us going into these partnerships with our significant other is that we have to understand what is their strength and weaknesses and what they enjoy doing. Because if a partnership is born out of necessity, because in our case, it was, you know, I need someone to do operation because I didn't like it. It doesn't really work well in that way because now I'm putting a round peg in a square hole. So it just wouldn't fit and created so much conflict. So sometimes I feel like even if you love the idea of being in business with your partner, you have to consider whether your partner is going to enjoy their role. So it sounds like, Paul, you really enjoy that supportive role and executor. Yeah. And that's why you guys have this great synergy. Speaking of like, you know, family, because you guys also have multiple kids as well, right? And you guys yeah. were just sharing how sometimes you bring business home. I'm going to be soon to be mama. You know, I'm... <laughs> what is... What am I? 23 weeks along. Yes. And my baby, it's going to come out on August 10th. 
So any advice that you have for a soon-to-be family woman, how do I juggle that balance between my family and my work? Because you know, I think ultimately some of the value to me is family. I want to create connection. I want to create deep, enriched relationship. But you guys have said that the struggle is turning it off. So yeah. I like to hear over your 17 years, Tustin, for you especially, right? Like over your 17 years of experience, what are some of the things that you've learned and what are some of the advice that you can give to help someone to balance that? The thing is, is that when, when I became a mom, being a mom took priority over everything else because my children are the only ones in the entire world that are going to call me mom. And they're the only ones that I have, you know, a God-given responsibility to do right by and to raise and to, to nurture and to care for. Now, when I had work, sometimes work would, would come in, into my life in such a way that it would be so demanding that I would resent my kids. I would resent their needs. I would resent my husband's needs. And that's a really dangerous place to be in. If I can just speak to anybody who's in that position right now, it's like times I lost track of what was most important to me. And the thing is, is that when, when you put your kids' needs off or your husband's needs off, they, they can survive for a short time. But over time, they begin to realize that they're not priorities and they begin to adapt to your lack of it's coping. Yeah, they, they begin to adapt. And, and those that consequence usually does not produce good things in the relationship and in their development. What I think is really important is to make sure that you prioritize. When my rascals were really little, I, I stayed at home and I didn't go back to work until my youngest was in kindergarten. And then at the time, that's when I started doing more of the aesthetics and he stayed at home to take care of though. It, it just coincided with his work because he could work from like, home. Back to work from home. Know? Pretty but, much until 2011. I mean, for six years, until Fee was like 11 or 12, I was home every afternoon at three o'clock, pick up the kids, drove them around. We just switched roles, which was a little, again, we were not traditional family where the dad's the one that does all the work. And in those days, she was at the office from like eight or nine in the morning to like seven at night. And I was cooking dinner and I was driving the kids around. I was working during the day when they were at school because my job allowed me to, but she, it was very uh, not traditional. And so our goal was always to make sure the kids were number one priority, that someone was around for the kids, that they weren't just being left in daycare from 7 a.m. till 6 p.m. kind now, of ignored. I know that sometimes some families do not have have that choice. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. I'm not trying to lay on guilt on this anybody. is just our values that what we what we could work out around our schedule. Yeah. Sometimes I, I run into people like at LashCon or other events and they're saying, I really want to do this. I really want to do this, but my kids are little and I really can't and I can't. And what I like to do for those gals is to say, listen, you are doing the most important job ever. You may think that you're not relevant in the world right now because you're not making a killing on your lash business, but what you are doing matters most for eternity. And you are writing your life on your child's heart. And, and people, I believe, are eternal. They, they're a good investment. So I try to say, don't feel like you have to slay the world with your lash business because there are seasons for everything. Yeah. You're knee deep in it with the kids. Make those kids your priority so that you don't have to be ashamed later on, right? And know that there's a season when they go to school, you're going to have more time. When they leave the house, you're going to have more a time. A lot more time. <laughs> right? And so, Cheryl, for you, it may be a season, maybe a season where you really step back with, with leadership and your role. You get other things in place. The 
thing that's most painful is when you get to a point where you actually resent your children. And if you're at that point where you feel, you know, something's got to give. So I, I don't want that for you. I want, I want you to have joy in knowing that there will be some loss knowing that, well, I'm not really at the forefront of my career right now. There's times for that. But making an investment in your family is worth it's it. Always worth it. It's and, always and, and worth it. And it's thinking bigger picture. Like, when, you know, so many, we're so in the here and now, especially with Instagram, right? People always want to see results now. But, you know, thinking bigger picture for people when they're having kids, like, you know what? Maybe the business will slow down a little bit and or you get other people in roles that take certain positions that you did and you pull back. So you can be there for your kids. So you can be there for your family. Knowing that in five, 10 years, you'll get more of that time back. And it seems like forever, five years, six years, mm-hmm. eight years. But it's not. It's not. Someone who's 56 can tell you it happens way fast, goes by way too quick. And our youngest mm-hmm. is 22 and she's be graduating from school this December. And it's super sad for me because it's like, I'm done. Like she's gonna move out and it's gonna be over. Aww. And that that all happened way too quick. It goes by fast. Let me tell you, when she was three, she was crawling all over me. And I was listening to a speaker who was a dynamic speaker, accomplished so much in her life. And I was just like, oh my gosh, that's what I want to do. I have all these hopes and aspirations to it. And, it. and it came time for questions. And I asked, I said, so what would your advice be to somebody? You know, how can I start making a difference in the world? And she looked at me with this kid crawling all, all over me. She's like, well, I see that you've got a little one right now. She's like, I just want you to embrace that little one right now because there's only a limited time where she, you have this much impact influence in her life. And so she's like, I know I'm going to tell you something that's not very satisfying to you, but making a killing in your career does not matter right now. She says, you need mm-hmm. to tell those kids. And she was right. I was like, I know she was deflated. I was totally deflated because you know what? Being a mom is hard. Yeah. Being a mom and being a wife and being a caregiver is hard. And sometimes in, in my secret moments, I wanted to get out of the house because I didn't want to be at home changing diapers because it was so hard and I was so tired of it. So I dreamed about other things. Yeah. But honestly, it was really good advice that she gave me. And even though I didn't like it and it wasn't sexy, I did to some extent, you take, take in, that yeah. advice. And the biggest regrets that I have are the times in my life that I was turned off to my family because I was so focused on my business. And at the time, it, it doesn't matter anymore at this point. What matters is the relationships. Yeah, being so, patient. Just be yeah, patient. Be patient and yeah. invest in the relationship. So sometimes the business will have to take a, a second backseat. Back seat. Thank you. And it, <laughs> But it's, it's a worthwhile investment. It's a worthwhile trade. Yeah. Yeah, this reminds me of an analogy that I've heard once how like, you know, different area and aspect of your lives are made out of these balls, but some are made out of plastic and some are made out of glass and family and children and motherhood. These are made out of glass because once you drop it, you can repair it. But something like business opportunity, they're made out of plastic. You can drop them and they bounce back, you know, so. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I, I I'm going to yeah, steal that steal one. That one. <laughs> yeah. You guys have no idea, like for the listeners, there's no video for this. It's so cute every time when you guys are talking about your relationship and your marriage, like you guys talk to each other. Tusney and Paul would turn to each other, watch each other and talk to each other. But then like, you know, other things, you guys are like looking at the screen, talking to us. (laughs) It's really cute to watch. I love observing you guys. Every time, actually, that's something I've always observed that even when I've been invited onto your podcast, that like whenever Paul talks, Tusney just like, Gazes at Paul. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of gazing. Let's just say because Paul does majority of the talking. I talk too much. So there's a lot of gazing from Destiny. <laughs> That's yeah, it's a sweet observation, sweet. Cheryl. Thank you. Okay. Well, I do have a question. 
Yeah. Uh, since we are pretty open here, and you guys, thank you guys so much for being so open and so vulnerable. So this question is for you, Paul. Actually, I wanted to know how did you navigate that feeling of Tessany kind of being the breadwinner for that period of time in the family? You know, in a society where you are expected by these very toxic cultural expectation of being the breadwinner. How did you navigate that? And I think that sometimes as women, we get into a situation where we almost want to dim our light and shrink our success. And those who are listening, if you're building a successful business and maybe your partner and your significant other, and especially if it's a husband, someone who it's a man, have these societal expectations, they probably want to hear like from a man's perspective, like how did you navigate those feelings and not grow resentment and still continue a healthy relationship? Thanks. No, that's a great question. And I, I've had other men reach out and ask that because they do resent their wives. They do resent their partners sometimes. And they, they don't want to, but you're right. It's, our culture has this really back-ass mindset. Like the man, it's like we're stuck in the 1950s where the man goes to work and he does the job, want, <laughs> wife stays home. Well, and men get a, a definite sense of um, purpose, or purpose meaning by making a living. They yeah. do. There is a little bit more, I think, in the DNA or wiring or culture, whatever it is that where men are seen to be able to do that. For me, it's weird because there's some things that you just are naturally born with and and, and you're given as a, I feel like as part of your way you're wired. And the way I was wired, my mentality is ego was not always a big part of me. I'm more about the community than I was about myself, generally speaking. Not always. There's things I'm super selfish and a total jerk about, but. But it's why he can apologize first and yeah. really mean it. I can totally see that. I can apologize yeah. really quick. When I screw up, I'm like, I am so sorry. I really messed up. She'll take a week to get back to me and go, you know that thing a week ago? Sorry. <laughs> I really don't want to say this, but I'm sorry. Like, that just wasn't something that was it wasn't her wiring, the way she worked with things. So for me, being the little, I think I was always just born to be always kind of a group kind of person. I really love I mean, film is very collaborative. Like film, the film industry, it's always about the team. It's all about the community. And so for me to see our life in seasons, like we had a season where I was the main breadwinner and I was working all the hours. And, and I realized, and I saw this younger in my life. I began to realize there are seasons to everything. There's not ever one way and boom, that's it's the rest forever. of your life. No, it's always like, oh, this is a season. We'll be like this. When my business was not doing as well and she began to take off, I, I kind of saw the cue. I saw the, the stars or where the future. I'm like, wow, she's really taken off. Why would I not let her have her chance? She supported me for 15 years to pursue my dream. Why would I hold her back from her dreams and let her do it? So I just said, you know what? I will take over and take care of the kids. I will do more of the work. I cooked, I cleaned, I became Mr. Mom, right? And I really was glad to do that because I she supported me for 15 years and it was felt like the perfect switch to do that. And funny, now we are now like 10, 11 years later and we're kind of beginning to switch the other way where more of the, the financial responsibility is falling back onto me with LashCon and our coaching and all these other things we're doing. And she's part of that, but I'm really the one driving all that. And now, she, and then her business, which was Lashes, is now becoming more our secondary business. So it's a new season again. So I would say to some men that are listening or, or wives that want to speak truth to their husbands, is that know that it's it's going to be a season. Things will change. Once you get to a certain point of stability, you can renegotiate different things, you know? Yeah. Mm. Just like even like being a mom, you know, you're it's going to be for a season. And then when they get to a certain maturity or a certain level, you can renegotiate duties and roles and stuff. And one other thing, too, is about being team, right? I mean, when the team, when we win, 
I win, right? It's not just me winning. I think too often we think in life about, oh, it's just about me, get my thing done. And what about my needs? What about, but I've learned the more I serve her and the more I help her to win, it just goes back to me and I end up winning. And then we as a couple win. So I think it's really thinking a little bit bigger picture because it's so easy to get caught in our little silos thinking just about what I need to win and what I need to survive. And now I think, as, especially when you're married to someone, it's about, no, 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 I need to make sure she's winning. I need to be serving her. And then that as a team, as a, a community, we win. I want to share one thing about that just validates what he just said, that he is so team oriented. So like I said before, we were struggling with, I was like, I'm going to leave you, you know? And for a while I was still determined, even after the tide had turned and he was so kind, it was just like, I don't know if I believe him. I've been so hurt. So part of this, and this is really ugly. So I am going to be extremely (laughs) vulnerable here, you guys, but I retained sole ownership of the business. It was completely integrity lash lash. and that was a matter of pride for me. It's my business. It's my business. So if anything ever happened, I had something to fall back on, right? Mm-hmm. But for a while, it was it was a symbol for me. It was like I didn't want to give it to him, you know. Even though, you know, he'd been working with me for for several years, he would still go in front of people and say, "No, no, I'm I'm employee. She's the boss." Even though he's starting to run run everything, he just he wore it, and he just to me it wasn't like he was trying to get something. He really did mean what he said, and he really did serve serve me so humbly. I can't tell quick where I was ashamed. I was ashamed to be like, this is all mine. You know, you can't have any. And so anyway, I just wanted to say that, you know, we don't have that kind of, we're in partnership together now. Yeah. And I'm just so thankful that you are so humble that you just to serve me like that, even though I was so ugly to you. Well, we both have had our ugly moments. So we're equally sharing that title. It's it's just (laughs) grace. You have grace for one another. You forgive each other. Yeah, that's the most important part. Like no one is perfect, right? I think finding a partner, most importantly, regardless if it's a romantic partner that you're going to go into business with or just a business partner is knowing that like what is their, I guess you can call it window of tolerance and having those difficult conversations about their windows of tolerance. For example, for I know that personally, I probably would be a disastrous person to work with for an extreme type A because my fluctuations and my flexibility would be very uncomfortable within their window of tolerance. But this is something that I'm very open with our team about who I am and that like, you know, what did you call it, Paul? The scatterbrainness. I'm so upfront about it that if they choose to stay with me, and I hope that it's because they accept that it's within the window of tolerance of how I work. And so having these really, really difficult conversation, it's so important. What I'm learning from you guys is like, just because you're entering this relationship with somebody you already know, you feel like there, it's already this relationship that you already previously built up that's even more important for you to really establish boundaries and have these tough conversations. Because sometimes we can avoid those conversations because A, maybe we assume that we're on the same page. You know, we're married, we're in a relationship together. Like we see eye to eye and then we just make these assumptions. Or sometimes we can just feel like, ah, like we don't need to talk about it. Like it will sort itself out. Like I feel like couples sometimes have this, I know I have that fault 
is that like we assume that we're mind reader of our partners <laughs> when we sell them our, you oh, know? Never. <laughs> never. <laughs> I mean, I think she reads minds better than I do, but definitely, generally, no. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Well, Paul and Tessany, I wanted to thank you for coming on the podcast today. And I do have a question that kind of, to wrap this up, that's a little bit more business analytical. I love all of this and choosing and selecting like a good partner for your business and how to balance like if it is someone really close to you and your personal life with business. But we didn't actually get too much into the financial side. So I wanted to ask one more question. What would your advice be on how to distribute like shares? How do you recommend to set up ownership? Because oftentimes people even get into a marriage without thinking of a prenup. So I know that's like more marriage, but with business, people don't really set up their business for success and anything can happen. And I think that's going to go back onto the humility, patience, trust, respect. Having all that set up in the beginning is probably pretty important. But do you have any advice on that topic? Well, I definitely think you should always, I mean, for us, we, weird enough with the new business, it actually, I own hundred percent of the new business and she owns none of it right now, but that was only because of our legal issues that we had with our old business, with the, the labor industry. Like, and I, that's only is. a temporary thing eventually. But that said, I would suggest anytime you're going into the business, you have to sit down and write a contract. I have talked to too many people who've gotten the business and they just say, oh, they're my friend. Oh, they're my wife. Oh, they're my husband. We don't need a contract. No, stop. I have, that never works out, almost never works out well. There's always going to be eventually a point where I'm carrying most of the work. Why am I working more than you? So I should get more of the company. And then they come back and you have to negotiate and you fight over it. It creates a lot of tension. And so like you said, I think it's really important when you sit down and say, well, you want to do business, whether you're a partner or someone else, you need to sit down and get a lawyer, someone you trust, a good lawyer, not a bad lawyer like we've hired in the past, but a good lawyer. They cost more, by the way. And just say, we want to lay it all out. We want to lay all the expectations about how the company's divided. Also, you want to decide what workloads. Like maybe one person is going to do more work. Maybe one person will be in the office all the day. One's going to work remote. One's going to be maybe only working 20 hours a week because they have kids or they have other commitments. Whatever it is, that all has to be laid out. It has to be very clearly defined. And then maybe every once a year, you should meet at least once a year and have almost like a defined relationship. All right, that was a good year. Let's review everything, what worked, what didn't work. Now let's go forward for the next year and let's plan out how we want to work this year. Maybe you need to rewrite the contract. Maybe you need to rewrite your, define your hours and what you expect. Because if you don't do this regularly, we just kind of, you're going to wait till the problem rises. And at that point, it's, it's too maybe late. too late because you've already gotten all this bitterness and anger and all this pent up frustration. And now you're like, that's it. I'm done. And we're going to talk about this. Damn it. And you're like, I hate you, by the way. You know, it's like... Yeah, it's like, ah, it's going to be hard to kind of work it out, right? Because you're so mad and so angry and you're going to really vent on them. What you really want to do is plan it out, be diligent. This is where a little discipline is really going to serve you, go a long way, where you put in the calendar, you make those meetings, make those commitments. And then it's not going to be easy by any means, but at least now you have a contract, something to look at. And this is how I even say with employees, how you work with employees. You can go back and say, what did I hire you? How did we agree to work? And you look at your list, go, well, actually, it looks like I'm doing your job now because I just look at our contract and we laid it out and I'm supposed to do this and I'm doing that. And now you have at least a point, a point back to you and say, but see, that's not how we're going to do things in this business because you said you weren't going to do that and you are now. And if you want to renegotiate that, we can, but really, it really creates clear boundaries that you won't then violate. And or if you do violate, you can at least call a foul and throw a flag and go, wait, 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 we're now not no longer working the way we said we would. And that way it gives you something to start with. 
And really, again, being very open and honest to have that communication, constant communication and holding each other accountable. That's the one thing in the beauty industry I think no one likes doing. No one likes to hold anyone accountable for anything because we're so scared of being hated, being disliked. But I promise you, if you don't hold people accountable, down the road, you're going to have that horrible conversation the way you never wanted to have it. And it's going to go so bad that you may burn the relationship. So it's better just have those constant conversations that when when the, the anger or the frustration is short and small before it becomes a beast that devours your company. Do you have anything else you want to add? I was going to say, in terms of like compensation and things like that, like the only thing that I could offer some guidelines on, and you're going to have to fill in with me because I don't exactly know. I've been a consultant for a company for a little while. And the way that they've done it with me has been, in the very beginning, there was you know no money up front, but I was promised shares, right? So you can do things like shares and then also do things like if we see these goals met by our partnership, then they will be vested. And then the stock will be worth such and such, that kind of stuff like that's that. All, that's all trading stuff, but that's irrelevant. Oh, okay. Well, I'm just, I, is it helpful or is it not? I don't know. Well, vesting shares and all that's a totally different thing. Okay. That's not what we're right here. But that said, I think, yeah, dividing up shares and that's just going to be based on workload. I think what you decide and you have to be very self-aware of what you're capable of doing, what they're capable and be very honest. Yeah. I think that money is always a conversation that's very uncomfortable, even between people in general, right? It's just like this conversation as a society, we're not really taught to have and we're not really taught to be transparent about it. It's always beating around the bush. But I remember a quote from like Sheryl Sandberg, the CEO of Facebook, that really resonated with me. And she said that how well your organization run is a direct reflection of how many difficult conversations you're willing to have. That same with relationship as well especially when we're talking about this complex dynamic that we're in, where we're in a part business partnership with our significant other. Communication and transparency, it's more important than ever, even though it's equally important. But I always feel like if you ever get to a situation where resentment built and there's these complicated, like, you know, legal battles and all of that, that just means a boundary wasn't set in the beginning. Com- difficult conversation wasn't had in the beginning. And to set your business up for success you want to give your business a chance to win and you want to give your relationship a chance to succeed at something together, then the best way to do this is to have all those tough conversations right off the bat. Yeah. And, and don't do things like hide things up from each other. Like if you're getting into business and you're trying to hide money or you're hiding your time, what you're doing, or you're just, just being deceitful, don't be shocked if a year from now, the whole thing's is a yeah. hot mess because mm. you're not coming to the table as a fair, in good faith, right? You're just doing you're doing what they want or you're saying what they want to hear, but you're not really playing on that level playing field. And that never works out with you. I think transparency, you're right, is absolutely necessary. And because that's where that trust will build because like, oh, you're showing me everything. I'm showing you everything. And now I can trust you. And then you can go deeper in the relationship. So yeah, I think that's smart. Absolutely. Well, Paul and Tosini, thank you guys so much. Unfortunately, like I said, we don't have forever. We'll probably have you guys on another time and discuss some other thing, topic that I'm personally extremely interested in. It's like the growth of your leadership. How did you go from plainly put sucking to like, you know, figuring out? <laughs> I think that that would be something that very relatable to our listeners because personally, like I've kind of went through that journey myself as well. So it's a pleasure having you guys on and we can't wait to maybe do this again another time. Absolutely. Absolutely. The feeling is mutual. You know me, I'll I'll talk anytime. (laughs) (laughs) Get me with people and I'll hang out all day. It doesn't matter. So... (laughs) 
That's all for this episode of Untamed. Thank you so much for joining us today. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at untamedartistry.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And remember, as your study buddy, we are always here for you. Don't hesitate to send us a DM at untamed.artistry. 